is happening, everybody? Kira and Ben back again. So last week we kind of kicked off spooky season with Cannibal Holocaust, and this time we're going into a different type of horror. Today we're going to be talking about uh, 2018 Suspiria. Ben, um, we were talking a little bit off screen, um, off camera about this, but tell me your history with the movie. So I had never heard of it. Um, you had suggested it, and I was like, all right, cool, because you know you get some great suggestions. And then um, I turned it on, and I saw the lady from the Doctor Strange movies, the very first um, Sorcerer Supreme. So I was all excited because I think she's great, and that's where it stuck off. Awesome. Yeah. So um, obviously, this is a huge favorite of mine, and we will talk about our opinions um, later because I want to hear everything that you have to say. But... I was first introduced to this movie because I was such a fan of the original, the 1978 one by Dario Argento. And then, of course, when I heard that they were doing a remake, I was obviously hesitant. Um, but I do like the remake. I do think it is really good in certain aspects. I think Luca Guadagnino, Danino. I'm so sorry. Again, you guys, my pronunciations are bad. I think he did a really good job paying homage to the original while keeping his um, fresh and exciting and who doesn't love some witches? Right? Covens, Covens. And uh, I grew up in Lynn, Salem area, so I actually got to see and hang out with some witches in my lifetime. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, of course, I have my own thing about witches. They're not always evil like people portray. So, like, you know, you know, harm me none. You know, I, I've, I've been around them where I know that they don't actually want to harm anybody. They just want to do good and study nature. So... But, you know, there's also the bad aspect of everything and, you know, the good and bad. So I thought it was pretty cool. Absolutely. And what I like about these witches is they kind of just harm their own. <laughs> like, obviously, there's like that one scene when they're like playing with the police officers and things like that. But I I like these kinds of witches, these kind of sort of lurking wanting power witches. I don't know if there's another word that I'm thinking of to grab that. Um, I totally got it. I I thought the fact that you know if you if you listen to what they say, they they were there during the you know during the war, and they were like they were the only source of of escape for women at that you know for that time period. And I mean, of course, it's fictional, but you know, really, if you think about it, during the World War II, there was no escape for women. I mean, it, it, no. it was a man-powered organization like the SS and all them. And if you were a woman at that time period, well, you were screwed. Absolutely. And what I like about this movie, um, similar to what was the movie we just did? Oh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. There is such an absence of men in the film that I think is really refreshing. Um, even the male, the um, psychiatrist that we see who counsels some of the girls um, is actually also played by Tilda Swinton. So she plays two roles in the film. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's that. her in drag. Oh, that was awesome. Isn't that, that awesome? amazing job, because I did not realize that. She looks so good. Yeah. The, makeup, the makeup in this movie is so good. And there's a scene um, that we're going to talk about later, because you know me, I'm all about practical effects versus CGI. And if you guys know the scene I'm referencing, you know it's brutal, and you also know there is no CGI involved. So I think that is very, very cool. So let's dive into the story for those who aren't familiar. So we are our main protagonist, Susie Bannon. She is traveling all the way from America. I, like, assume in my head it's Oklahoma. I don't know if it is. It's, she's on a farm. What was? What did you get, or if I'm misremembering? I think she came from the farm, but then she went to New York because she said she watched the 
the lady do the play in New York. Right, but she ha- said she had to take a bus to New York. Oh, did she? So, oh, yeah. I, I Maybe Philadelphia. That. I don't know. You I don't know. She said she saw it three times, though. So, I mean. Maybe Philadelphia. She's on a farm. Yes, yeah. She's a farmer. She's on a farm, and she goes to New York to see this play because this is, um because she is applying to go to the um, dance academy in Berlin. And so she is obviously a huge fan of the work. She memorizes um, the dance from Vok, which is what they end up performing. And she's so excited to come in. She feels like she's being drawn to this place. This is a phrase that she uses over and over again, is that she, something was pulling her to this dance academy. And um, and she goes, and obviously she kind, she only s- starts waves because she is so good. And the the teachers, a.k.a. the witches, can see that in her. And she and while this is happening, um, one of the other students has gone missing. Um, we see her first in the beginning is played by Chloe Grace Martinez. And we see her go missing. And it's like kind of like, oh, what's happening? And you kind of as we're learning about Susie and we're learning about the dance studio, we kind of see the unravelings and kind of the tensions that are building. Um, and as of right now, to our knowledge, everything is set not against a supernatural background. Yeah. Yeah. You. They, they they give hints when she's talking to the psychiatrist, but you don't actually know what's going on. Absolutely. She uses like phrases like she's in my head. I can feel her. She's trying to control me. It's all very interesting. So then Susie decides that she is going to ask to dance the lead role in the Vok. Now, this role, the, the role of the protagonist is supposed to be incredibly difficult to dance and is an incredibly hard dance. Now, Tilda Swinton's character, uh, Mother Marcos, does not believe that she can perform this, but she allows her to. And while this has happened, right, the scene right before this, I should have said, another uh, girl in the dance studio starts freaking out in rehearsal, starts calling everyone witches, is crying hysterically, is very upset. And I think it's Blanc takes her and she says, okay, like, go go outside. Like, we're going to talk. And kind of leads her into this sort of secret auditorium. And it is actually a secret um, rehearsal room covered in mirrors. Now Susie has come to the front and she says that she is going to dance the role of the protagonist in Vok. And Mother Marcos, Tilda Swinton's character, touches her feet. And I love the subtlety of this like motion of her touching her feet and you kind of see that power going in that sort of like energy transference and that i think is the first main tip off of the witches and from that susie starts to dance and she starts and stops because she messes up the first time but while she's dancing it keeps panning to the scene the room where the other girl is and as susie starts dancing this girl's bone this girl also starts dancing but in the reverse of what Susie is doing so it's like everything that Susie is doing is happening to this girl but instead of controlling the motions her bones are breaking and she gets contorted into this horrifying mess and this is the scene I'm talking about it is all practical effects yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool she gets twisted like a pretzel and you know you see her agony, and every time the girl makes a, a step or a move or something, she just twists a different way, and you just hear the bones cracking. And it was really gross. It was really gross, but it's also 
crazy. It's awesome. So while while this is happening, obviously it is happening uh, without the knowledge of Susie, or we should assume it's happening without the knowledge of Susie. And once she has completed, um, she has to go lie down because she's exhausted. And Tilda Swinton seems to be very pleased with what she was doing. And the next scene is, I love, I love the vision. So one thing I love about this movie is the visuals of it. I think it is so visually stunning, similar to the original, which is also visually stunning. And I think what is so good about it is Luca Guadalajara does a great job. Even though this movie is so contrasted to the first, it is still within the same veins, I believe. So we have Dario Ariagentos, who's this very neon, very bright. You have this like incredible, um, vibrant background that all these horrors are happening against. And then in Luca's, it is much darker. Everything is much more gray, is very monotoned. And with that, I think it is because it is telling a different story. In the original, you don't have the backdrop. Obviously, it's still set in Germany, but you, they don't focus on the backdrop of the war as much. So this one was introduced as a sub-story, which people um, during its release debated if it was very relevant to the story. But I think, like you had said, it, gave, it talks about giving women an escape, and it kind of sets, like, I think the tone of this like kind of searching and like escapism and like trying to leave the situation that you're in. Yeah, because if you listen to what the doctor says, his wife got separated from him and she gets trapped and she has to go to the concentration camp, camp sorry, and things happen to her. So like you can see what, what a woman by herself had to deal with compared to what a woman in the dance group had to deal with. So right. that they were protected in the dance group, whereas the, the wife wasn't protected. And later on, one of the witches comes and says stuff to him that she yeah. knows happened. And I think for me, it was a way of like showing the contrast of like, I, you know, sh this is what happened to her. And I think in her mind, she was like, you know, had she been with us, mm -hmm. none of that would have happened to her. You know, and it was it was really cool. It was. So and I think it is fine. Just like you said, it adds more to the story but i can see where the same criticisms were like it is pointless so after that now susie is dancing and they are going to perform the show and they do a fine job it's a fine show what happens after is so susie is befriending um sarah and sarah is played by the ever lovely mia goth i'm a huge fan of hers maybe we can talk about doing x or pearl yeah, familiar yeah, with those? That sounds good. Yep. Okay, well, we can talk about it. But so she befriends Sarah, and Sarah can kind of feel what's going on. She kind of understands that there's something lurking um, that is not seen. And the witches start to catch on, and they are going to punish her the same way that they punished Patricia, I think her name is. Yes. And Susie, and as Susie starts dancing and she sees that Sarah's in agony, she immediately stops and kind of chastises them for being like, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And they um, kind of take Sarah away. And that's the last we see of her for a while. Now, throughout all this, I love this like coven of older witches because I think their relations are so interesting. And I, I thought this in the first one as well. Obviously, you're going to have it from the point of view of your protagonist. But I always thought like seeing more of the coven and seeing more of their politics, I thought would be so cool, especially because it's such a large part of this one. And I, I like I love that one scene at the table when they're all like eating in their quarters and they're talking about who they're going to vote for. And I think that was really I thought that was interesting. What are your thoughts? Is that when the woman stabbed herself with the scissors in the throat? 
No. Or is that later on? That's later on. Okay. Uh, no, I thought it was pretty cool because, like, it... So when you're talking to the doctor, the doctor talks about the three patriarchs of this this coven because he's told by Patricia about this, and he names the three patriarchs. So one of the patriarchs is sick and dying because she's old and she has to transfer herself into a, a younger body. Right. So all of them have done this except for this one matriarch that is needing of a body. That's why they're doing the dance. I think the lady that plays the Sorcerer Supreme, she sees in the girl that they have, like the girl that is really good at dancing, she doesn't want to do it to her. She's like, I, I kind of don't want to do this to her. You could see like she's starting to become fond of her. I, I just thought like the contrasting between the three mothers and like their little inner group battle and like like the other witches around them, not the three main, but the the rest of them, like all trying to vie for, you know, sucking up to the, the, the one that they wanted to, to win, basically. Exactly. And that's what I thought was so interesting. And that's what I was saying, because it felt like politics yes. in what you wanted to see. And it's so interesting that you said that Marcos became fond of Susie, because in my mind, it always felt like she was kind of grooming her for something in a way that she could see that Susie was strong enough to handle Suspirium but was still hesitant um, and didn't, I don't think, realize. Because I think she could also see the pull in her, but couldn't recognize what it was. Because she would always say, this one is so strong. Yeah, the I think when she came into the room mm -hmm. and she said, you don't have to do this. You can leave right now. I'll make you forget. That's when I realized that she actually gave a crap about it. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. But yes, yeah, so Mother Sus so like Ben had said, there are three mothers and we are looking for Mother Suspirium. And all these girls are in the eyes of Marcos and Blanc and, ugh, I forget the other one's name, the other third main one. <laughs> None of these girls are strong enough. They try with Patricia, they try with Sarah, they try with um, the girl that they contort. I forget. I forget, name I forget everyone's names, guys. I'm so, I think it's Una, Anna, I don't know. something. Was like. it Una? Una, yeah. Yes, I'm yeah. like, okay, my brain's not that small. I no, know something. I thought it was Una, yep. And then... I forgot where I was now that I was thinking about names. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So they are all voting. And I think it's interesting how they divide up the votes and like how and who has loyalty to who and who votes for who. So I don't know. So I like I said, I wanted to see more of this because I think how women play politics is so different to how men play politics. And I would have liked to see that expanded, especially because this is a movie that is so based in female empowerment and, I don't know, like feminine rage, I would say. Not as much rage, but I would say more empowerment. What did you, what thoughts? Uh, so for me, okay, so I think there's a very funny story that says, you know, if a guy walks into a bar and he's crying, that guy sits alone. Mm -hmm. If a woman walks into a bar and is crying, she's surrounded by other women. And I think you see that in this movie where, you know, the girl has the nightmare and mm -hmm. everybody comes running because they all want to help, you know, and like it just shows the contrast, like the men were out for war and out for taking over things and empowerment and, you know, the Germans were trying to take over the world and these three witches lasted through time and yes, they used women, but they also protected women during the, the, during the war, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does make sense. Yeah, so like they had more of a, you know, women unity, whereas men were more like, you know, you know, the Gestapo and, you know, if they felt someone was against them, they had to kill them right away. Whereas these women, they don't want to kill them right away. They try and get them to see reason, like in their dreams. They're like, oh, no, you can, you, this is how it has to be. And if they don't conform to that, then they deal with them. 
Right. Yeah, whereas a man would have just been like, you know, executing them. Absolutely. And I think, like I was saying, that has a lot to do with like patriarchy and how men are raised versus how women are raised. But let's get back to the witches. So we've kind of been jumping all around the, mo- uh, the movie talking about certain scenes. But now that we're talking um, about the therapist again, he has been lured to his to his death. He's been lured to the Marcos Academy and because he has to be a witness for what they're about to do because now it's the final ceremony. Susie is at a dinner with the other matrions. Um, and when she returns to the dinner, Marcos invites her down into this room. Um, we see all the girls from the studio there. They're in a da- in a daze, in a trance, and they are dancing. Um, we see Sarah in the forefront after her encounter finding Patricia's body in the hallway and then we see Susie and now Marcos is saying to Susie you will now become the vessel for you will become the next vessel and Susie accepts she because she has to accept she has to um was it disavow is that what it is when she has to like denounce oh denounce that's the word she has to denounce her own mom and we know her mom's been sick the whole time and her mom actually dies we see a flash of her mom dying on her deathbed which i was like the power of witches and then once this happens um they disembowel sarah because they need a sacrifice and then marcos says to Susie that she is that marcos is suspicious Mother Suspirium, and that Susie is now becoming the vessel. And Susie goes, No, no, no. I am Mother Suspirium, which I think is so cool. And then I want to, and I have another part to talk about after this. But so she becomes Mother Suspirium. Susie was it the whole time. This was the whole pull. She was the most powerful witch of them all. Um, she summons death to kill Marcos and all of the people who voted for Marcos, which is again, why I wanted to see more of that, like politicalness uh, between the witches, because like, I mean, obviously people pick the wrong side all the time. Susie kills Marcos and all of Marcos's followers, but spares Blanc and all of Blanc's followers. She puts uh, Sarah out of her misery. She grants her peace and death. And then she kind of does this. I love when she just like opens up her chest (laughs) I think that's so funny. And she's like, I am mother. I think it's awesome. Next day, we see that the therapist is still alive. She kind of talks to him and grants him peace by giving him a seizure and wiping his memory and kind of, kind of, kind of sort of tells him what's going on. Not really. And then she's head of the studio. She's Mother Suspirium. Marco, uh, Marcos is dead. Um, and she's kind of cleaning up the mess that these witches had made. And uh, through that, she looks off into the distance and is very content with herself. So one thing that I love about this movie that contrasts so drastically from the original is the agency of Susie. And making Susie Mother Suspirium, I think, is such a powerful move because it talks about this kind of new idea of a final girl, right? So final girls, everyone finds so empowering because they are able to survive the horrors of whatever they're going through and live. This is typically because they are pure of heart, good girls, right? So what I like in this new age of final girls, where the final girls are also killers is that you see the complexity of them because women are more than one things and virtue doesn't equal goodness I believe I mean yes it is good to have virtue and like virtue makes you good but I'm thinking of virtue in like a pure virginity sort of disgusting way versus like the way of having morals I think it's really interesting to make our protagonist also 
one of the main antagonists off the screen, right? Because we hear about Mother Suspirium. Mother Suspirium is what's pushing this whole thing. And we just all assume it's Marcos because Marcos has been in the place of positions, kind of like she was next in line. And I think it was her arrogance that also made her not get it. Yeah, I agree. There's a a photo uh, when she goes downstairs and she finds a secret room. There's a photo of Marcos, really old, and then the lady that's... Mother. Mother... The wizard. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's a picture of them, and she looks over at it real quick. But you see, Marcos was probably the older witch all along. She's always been like the elder witch. She's never been Mother Superior, but she's been like the older witch. Oh yeah, she's but she was the right hand the whole time. That's yeah. why she ran the studio. Right, and then you see, like I think that was like a out with the old, in with the new. I I think kind of, but at the same point, I think Marcos wasn't was doing the work and was doing what she needed, what she thought she needed to do to become Mother Suspirium. But I think what it was, was she just didn't have it. Like she was, she didn't have, because you see that even though Susie is Mother Suspirium, she does have compassion for the other girls around her. Whereas we see that Marcos does not. Yeah, she abused her power. She abused her power. And I think this is why I keep going back to if I want to see more of the politics of how they were persuading the other witches in the coven to vote for who. Because I think the ones, because if you look at someone like Blanc, who is much more benevolent versus Marcos, you can see why Susie spared her. But I feel like there is more to it. Like, I feel like there was more to the campaigning that set Marcos to death. Yeah, I agree. I like, so there's a part with the doctor when the first lady, like, she basically shows the the guy who hallucinates into believing that the wife is alive. Right, to lure him to the studio. And hurts him. And, like, like basically, like, traumatizes him because he's like, oh, my God, you know, like... I, I did this to her, and and then she comes at the end, like the end, and soothes him kind of. She's like, "I'm sorry for what they did to you." you know? Yeah, and then she gives him a seizure, and he dies. Right, but like she let him go, knowing that he wasn't the cause of her death, and that she she loved him because she says the only thing she thought of before she died was you. And I thought that was beautiful. I was like, you know, this way he goes at ease, at peace, because he was never at peace through the whole movie. Like when he's talking to police officers, he's like, "I remember you. You helped me." And I'll never forget what you did for me. And then when the, the girl's talking to him and stuff, and he's having flashbacks of his wife, you can see, like, the pain and agony this guy's in. And he wants to help these girls because, you know, he doesn't want them in pain and agony. And then I think when she becomes Mother Superior, she pays him back for his kindness by giving him that peace of mind. Absolutely. And because we also see him throughout the movie helping her friends yeah. and helping the people that she cares for. We see her caring for them at the end by putting them out of their misery. And we never see that kind of care from Mark, yeah. which is why I think she was killed. But so I, so like I was saying um, earlier, this movie is set different from the original because in the original, um, Susie just burns down the coven and leaves. She burns down the dance studio and leaves. And she escapes it because she is not part of the witches. She just escapes the witches. She is a victim to it. Like most final girls are victims, but then they find their agency, they defeat the evil, and they leave. With Susie um, and with some other movies we'll be covering in the future, we see her staying, making active choices, not being that not someone that the story is happening to, but being someone who is pushing the story forward, whatever way that she decides to, whether it is without her knowledge when she kills Una or whether it is with her knowledge when she saves Sarah by stopping the dance. Right. Yeah. So would this be like like kind of like Stockholm syndrome where she's so traumatized and everything she she falls 
into the, the group? No, I don't think so because I think she she sought out the group because she knew that because somewhere within her she had Mother Suspirium in her the whole time. And I think that's why in the beginning when she's talking, it's like something was pulling me. I had to watch Vogue. I went New York, to New York three times to watch it. Something was pulling me to this dance studio. I auditioned a bunch of times. It's such an honor for me to be here. Something within her was pulling her there, and that, I think, was the mother the whole time. Oh, okay. I get that. I get that. Um, but to me, that's how, I mean, that's how I interpreted the film because we see Susie as such a strong character. Yes, some things happen to her, but I think she is strong enough to know what is happening to her versus what is what is within her control. Because you can tell there's a part when Marcos is talking about trying to control her mind and she talks about how strong it is and how when she's trying to like talk to her, it's very powerful. Yeah, there's a part with Sarah too when she's talking to Sarah and Sarah says, when you danced, did you feel like someone else was in you? Yeah. And she's like, she like you see a look at her, like, she gives Sarah this look like, and she goes, no, no, not at all. Why did you? And like... You could tell she's totally lying. She totally, like, totally felt some other force inside her. But, like, she looked at Sarah like, you know, what are you doing? What, you shouldn't be saying these things, you know? Right, because she knew that talking about it would get Sarah killed because that's what happened to Patricia. That's what happened to Una. Yeah. This is the pattern of the rain under Marcos, which is also why I believe she died. Yep. Um, so, off, off, uh, off screen, we were talking a little, and you were saying that you liked the movie. Yeah. Wasn't one of your favorites, though. No, no. Uh, listen, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, I love this movie beyond good. I liked it. It was okay. I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good watch. Uh, you know, am I going to seek it out again and, like, watch it every year? No, I'm not. Uh, but I did like it. Okay, so I'm in a very different camp. So I love <laughs> I love the original. And then I really like this remake because I think it is so fun and different and I think it pays homage to the original in a way that I like to see remakes do. I think I think the it's so well written. I think it's so well directed. The cinematography, the colors that is used, the makeuping, the use of practical effects. I mean, to me, this movie is so enticing and is so fun and is so magical. Um, it was actually so funny. A few months ago, I was watching this movie at a friend's house and then we started talking and they weren't paying attention to the film and this conversation turned kind of serious and then it, the scene in the background was the scene where Una was getting killed and they kept trying to like look at the screen and I was like look at me look at me don't look at the screen we can't be doing this while this is happening and I always remember that and I think it's really funny um I love this film I put it on all the time it gets me in a spooky mood I like I like the dark coldness of Berlin I think it fits with the coldness of the studio and kind of symbolizes like the power of these witches yeah I think any um like older establishments like Britain Germany, France, the, like the way they're set up and the gloominess and darkness of it is really creepy and it sets for a great horror movie. Like all oh, absolutely. Movies. Like when I watched Jack the Ripper when I was younger and uh, it was set in London and you see like how London's not really lit real well and it's real dark and creepy and ominous and I wouldn't walk those streets. I wouldn't walk those streets. Nope, it's not going to happen. Uh, and I, I'm not like a wimpy kind of guy, but stuff like that, I'm a wimpy kind of guy. Absolutely. <laughs> I, if I can't see something, uh, nope, I gotta go. You gotta, <laughs> not, it's coming for me. Yeah, not hanging out. Uh, <laughs> listen, love you. Not going in water on a creepy lake, not doing any of that fun stuff. You know, if I'm at a cabin in the, in the, in the woods, I'm not seeking out the outside. I'm, I'm staying inside. So, you know, the, the, the backdrop of this is really great for the, the, the environment that it's trying to set. Absolutely. Um, the dark dance studio, the dark Berlin, you know, the darkness of the people. It was it was good. Yeah, I think it I think it sets the mood of isolation and desolation and loss. 
because that's really what this movie is about. Yeah. So it's on Amazon Prime. It is a Prime original. Um, I would absolutely say watch it. I would say watch both of them. They're both amazing. Uh, well, in my opinion. See, I didn't know there was a, f- a first one, so I watched this one. But like I said, it, it's not my thing. I mean, me and me and Kara are not always going to get along on movies. We're like, say, uh, like, we like it. I, I know you guys think we do, but we really don't. <laughs> um, and this one, like for me, I liked it, but I wouldn't seek it out, like I said. So you might want to watch it, and you might absolutely think it's the best movie ever made. Kudos to you. That's your choice. I mean, yeah, well, if you do... Tell us what you think. Write in. We love to hear. We will be covering all horror movies the whole month of October. So if you have a weak stomach, maybe don't tune in this month. No, I'm just kidding. Please listen to us. We love you guys. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. We always do what we do for you and with the support of you. So keep listening. I agree. Keep listening. Uh, If you can, hit the like and follow. Uh, More follows for us, the better we can do, more quality we can put out. So, you know, follow us, follow us, follow us. Absolutely. And catch us next time on What's Happening.